What is up, everybody? Thank you for checking out the Glass Clown Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Patrick Christopher. Uh, thank you for supporting the the episodes. Hopefully, you're enjoying them. Uh, hopefully, you're getting something out of them. You know, it's it's here to to kind of normalize dealing with mental health issues. Uh, let you know how we deal with them as 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 artists, as comedians, as you know, all different walks of life. And maybe you could connect to them. Maybe you might, you know, find something similar in our stories uh, that might help you. That's the plan. I don't know if I'm executing that the best way possible, but that's what I am attempting to do. So uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, If this is your first time, welcome. Um, If this isn't your first time, welcome back. I do appreciate that. If you could like and subscribe on whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube, uh, please subscribe to the Babaco Core uh, Podcast Network on YouTube. I'm trying to get the YouTube numbers up to 100. Once you get to 100, you could customize your own URL. I think that would be kind of cool rather than having some like random numbers and, and letters and stuff to for, for my YouTube. It would be nice to have it to uh, just... Uh, a streamline of like a Bible Cool Core or something. Um, or like and subscribe on the platforms that you use to listen to the podcast. I do appreciate that. Uh, just got to get straight into this episode. Uh, I had comedian Bobby Smith, uh, a.k.a. B. Smitty on. We had a great conversation. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't really know a lot uh, about Bobby Smith. I had him on my old podcast before. And uh, but I don't really get to sit down and, and kind of chop it up with these these comics as much as I would like. So that's why I really dig uh, the Glass Clown podcast because it gets a chance to sit down. They kind of know what they're getting themselves into as far as this is the kind of stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, we got into some deep stuff, man. I, I really feel uh, great about this episode. I, I think uh, obviously Bobby uh, shared a lot, uh, which is great, um, and. and and the stuff that he brings up, it can very much connect to a lot of people. A lot of people might feel the same way. I know I connected to a lot of the things that he was going through. And so it, it, it was nice to discuss that and kind of like just go back and forth on that. Um, and at the end, he said that it helps him. And I really appreciate when, when guests kind of get that out of the discussions that we have. You know, it, it is uh, we, we are kind of dealing with uh, with uh, different things, but it's tough things that we do, we deal with. And the fact that they're sharing this with so many people, well, the listeners, uh, it, it's 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 great. I think it's great. Um, so hopefully you find this helpful. Hopefully you also find it uh, entertaining uh, and you keep coming back for more episodes. I do appreciate that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you can check out Bobby Smith at uh, B Smith Comedy. Let me just make sure. B Smitty Comedy on Instagram. Uh, he is in the process of opening up a new comedy club in San Antonio, uh, which is going to be uh, great. You know, we all we need more venues for sure. Uh, but it's the Upstage Comedy Lounge. Uh, he'll be talking about that and announcing more stuff on the opening of that uh, pretty soon. Yeah, him and his wife also have a podcast called the He Said She Said Podcast. Uh, that you got to look into. And, um, yeah, this was a great episode. Check out my conversation with Bobby Smith, a.k.a. B. Smitty. And uh, thanks for listening. Check you next time. Latest. Welcome to the podcast. 
Well, Bobby Smith. Here. Yes, sir. B. Smitty. Hey. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yourself? Doing good, man. I'm, I'm sweating like crazy, dude. Like, hey. all week I was in New York walking around sweating, and now I just, I can't stop, dude. It's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. That means you're losing weight. Not you saying would, that you, you need would think to. so. No, I do, man. For sure, do. I've been. This is the heaviest I've been in a long time. Uh, somebody told me last night that that Botox. You could do Botox to quit sweating. Uh, that probably makes sense. I didn't know that. Like they put it in your pits, they put it in, like in your forehead and stuff. I never mm. thought about doing Botox, but I was like, if it could stop me from sweating, yeah. but uh, it's probably just need to lose weight. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't know if I recommend that Botox thing. Uh, people, I don't know. It's poison, right? Yeah, people I see with the Botox, they look like they're melting. They look, um, it looks like dry sweat. So It has to be different. Like, you can't be, like, the same ones that they do to, like, the anti-wrinkle stuff. Right? Um, that has to be, like, levels of Botox, right? I'm not an expert, so. Uh, I, I've never even once thought about looking into it until last night. They're like, yeah, because, like. <laughs> It was like, man, your pictures, you're you're very sweaty. I was like, you could tell by the pictures, you know, like my shirt was all wet and stuff. I was like, I was walking around a lot, you know. Exactly. Uh, what what's sweating? Is it just uh, is it like your hands sweating, your feet sweating? No, like my my chest, my uh, head, my armpits, and all that stuff. I really don't get too clammy hands, but uh, uh, it's crazy. This is a great start to this podcast. <laughs> uh, before we get into it, man, uh, Twitter, Instagram, anything you got to promote. Uh, okay. This will go out. Uh, not. The following Monday. It'll be out on the 21st. Okay, perfect. So anything you got coming up, uh, anything you got going on, want to promote it right now, go ahead and give it to them right now. Um, well, yeah, follow me at B Smitty Comedy. Uh, that's my IG page, uh, Bobby Smith the Fourth on Facebook. I uh, got big things coming. Um, you know, probably the biggest thing in my career, uh, I believe, so is opening up a comedy club called Upstage Comedy Lounge. Um, me and uh, the co-owner is Calvin. Uh, he's been my DJ for years, so uh, it's something that we that's been in the works for a long time. So uh, I'm really proud of the way everything is coming together. Yeah, yeah, that's insane, man. I think that's a huge thing. I think it's gonna be awesome for you. I know a lot of people are like got mad respect for you doing this stuff. It's it's a great challenge you're taking on. Uh, it's been in the process for a long time. Like for for how long? How long was this a part um, of what you wanted to do? Yeah, I'll say. Um, so I met. Calvin, probably in 2013, uh, we, I was teaching defensive driving. He was a student in my class. Uh, we just kind of hit it off. You know, he said he DJ, he had equipment. I was like, hey, let's let's start throwing shows. Like, it, like this is perfect timing. Yeah. So uh, we started throwing shows, and we struggled for years as far as you know trying to find something that works, mm-hmm. finding you know different bar spots and whatnot. To the point to where we're like, we should just open up a spot one day or whatever it was just talks you know we didn't think we was actually gonna be able to do it and yeah something pushed us you know 2021 uh probably in january uh just say i won't say what happened but something happened in business that pushed us to like hey let's let's do this we ain't got nothing to lose yeah so um so yeah that's pretty much how it came together so that's a great mentality like nothing to lose i mean i know that's that's easier said than done you know because the fear of a failure is, is that's what everybody's worried about. You know, like why I don't want to push too much. I don't want to try too hard because if my efforts don't bring up nothing, what, what did I do? You know? All right. So it's, it's a great thing that you're taking on. Uh, did you name where it's at? Did you get the address or, uh, yeah, the address 4441 Walsham road, uh, is in the same shopping center with Wayne's wings. That's a big, probably number one wing spot in San Antonio. Okay. So, uh, you know, we're also going to be doing deals with them as far as, um, they're going to be catering our food uh-huh. you know, in the beginning. We'll see how that works out. But. Do you have a, a date of a grand opening date? Uh, tentatively, uh, we're looking at 4th of July weekend. I'm going to just say that for like a soft opening, see okay. if everything runs smooth. Uh, so hopefully everything comes together. Uh, it's a lot of stuff that goes into it, permits, uh, liquor licenses and all that. I'm sure you know all about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's, that's, that's a learning experience in itself. Like, Is this your first time opening a, a, a venue? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I've owned my own defensive driving school, uh-huh. but that's probably, to me, that's the easiest business you can ever open because you don't really need any startup cost or anything. You can teach anywhere at a restaurant or, uh-huh. or whatever. So uh, this is completely different. This is real. Like, you know, yeah. I, I've been back and forth to all these different places and, you know, getting told different things. And, you know, it's it's rough. Good for you, man. I think I think it's exciting. Uh, what made you want to do a comedy club? I mean, obviously you're a comedian. You've been doing comedy for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like for San Antonio, I mean, we don't really have a lot of comedy clubs, comedy places. 
there are a few mm-hmm. uh and so to add another one is it's a, it's a pretty good idea right you know but w- what made you want to say rather like a comedy club rather than like a sports bar or different type of restaurant like you I know gotta, what I mean I got to give a lot of um credit to my business partner as far as he thinks I, I, he thinks on a bigger scale than me so like I was always thinking of like you know let's get a little small spot and you know, because I, I didn't really trust opening a comedy club in San Antonio because the, the track record of comedy clubs, like you just said. And then, uh-huh. you know, it's going to be looked at as a black comedy club, I'm sure. And um, the track record for black comedy clubs in the nation are bad. They never, you know, for some reason they don't work out. I don't know why. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know if we just don't get the support or it ain't ran right or we don't have. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. But I just had a lot of doubt. He is 21 years in the Army. He teaches ROTC, which is all about leadership, and yeah. he just had a different um, mindset that kind of like you know crossed over into me, and um, I feel like that that helped me realize like man, we can you know we can compete with like an LOL or you know yeah. So I mean, I don't expect it to be our competition, but that's how I'm thinking like LOL and not like you know a bar gig. But we have a lot of doubts like. Why didn't the River Center work out? That's only you know comedy club downtown. It's a great location of tours like. Why does those clubs, smaller clubs, close down in Houston? Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, th- those are the doubts that I had. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so um, but like I said, he, you know, he, he's a motivator. He, um, you know, he kind of made me look at the bigger picture and, like, let's go big. So. Yeah. Is he also a comic, too? Opposite of a comic. No, I ain't going to say he's the opposite. He, uh, <laughs> he's a DJ. He's a DJ. That's his. Oh, okay. That's his passion. So, y'all going to have like variety nights? Is it going to be comedy and then some other things? Or um, I'm, I'm thinking Sunday will be more of a variety type. You might have music, you might have poetry, uh, something like that. Wednesday, I'm thinking a live podcast. So, a different live podcast. Like, you can do your podcast in front of oh, a live wow. audience. So yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking like last night. I was like, man, that, I think that would be pretty cool. So, because uh, me and my wife have a podcast, it's called He Said, She Said, uh-huh. and uh, it's like relationship therapy, basically. We just talk about different topics. Yeah. So like, like, I think that'll, that'll be better in front of a live audience of people on dates, and yeah. you know, play some you know newlywed games, and then maybe have a comic perform, and then uh, maybe a musical guest or something, but kind of like the 85 South show, a little bit, just... Oh, uh, okay. A little bit of everything. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's exciting. Uh so uh, let's let's get into how you started. Like, uh, how did you get into comedy? Like, how long have you been doing it? Like, all that all that good stuff. Uh, I say I've always done like comedy. Played around with it. Like in high school, I made videos. Uh, back, you know, it was on VHS tapes. Uh, I think the best thing I ever could have found in my life was uh, one of those big old cameras, uh-huh. like VHS, because all, all I did was just started recording myself. Yeah. And uh, I would do like little skits for the longest time, skits. I'd take it to school. Uh, during that time, they was letting us show videos in classes and stuff. And I kind of got popular. People said, like, I just had something on the camera or whatever. So that kind of built up confidence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one day I decided to, you know, mm-hmm. try some uh, stand up on. You know, just recording myself and doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I felt it was easy. Like, it may have not been the greatest, but I was like, I kind of look like a comedian. Yeah. So that kind of, like, planted a seed. And uh, as soon as I can get a chance, um, I went and did a talent show, okay, on the east side. Uh, the YMCA, they had a talent show. I was the only comedian. And, like, I, I killed it. Yeah. And it was mostly off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I can remember there was a girl that was – she was dancing before me. I didn't know what she was doing. I don't think she knew what she was doing. <laughs> and she was like, she had on like an outfit that looked kind of crazy. And my first joke was, uh, man, I thought she was about to sing T-shirt and my panties <laughs> on. And just the, the that was my first time in front of an audience. So just the, you know, the feedback I got off of that. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. That, that's that drug. That's the drug that hit me right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's funny thing about that was there was a like a kid in that that crowd that watched me that eventually started doing comedy and he's still like a big, he's a pretty big name in the comedy scene today in San Antonio. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know if we can say names, but yeah, you can mention okay. everybody you want. So yeah, Clifton Simmons was in that crowd. Oh yeah. yeah. Little kid. And he came up to me afterwards. He was just, he, he was like, he's my, dang, he's my first fan. Yeah. He just started asking me all these questions and I'm like, all weirded out. Like, why is he asking me all this stuff? But I didn't realize it. Like, dang, that's my first fan. And then he eventually, Started doing comedy and he's doing very well. So yeah, and how long you been doing it? Uh, so I was twenty. I'm thirty nine. So I'm at like nineteen years. Nineteen years, man. Long time. So when I started at the comedy clubs, I you know they wouldn't even let me drink. Yeah, yeah. 
What I like about your style and, and like you, you're like very comfortable on stage. It looks like like before I go up, I'm like going through all my notes. I'm very because I'm still very young into it. Uh, but you're just like you make the stage feel like it always belonged to you. Like you go up there, you're very comfortable on stuff. I mean, how long did that take before you got to that point? Uh, I appreciate that. By the way, I take that as a compliment. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I think that's for some that's like that's something that I've always had and may have also been my um you know my my I won't say downfall but that might have been like my you know I'm too comfortable to where I think like I can do it too easy and uh, my work ethic has been like my you know my problem as far as like you know this is more work you got to do it as far as, as far as writing and uh-huh. um, just being consistent so uh, but I feel like I've always had stage presence yeah yeah you're always comfortable on stage yeah. Yeah. But probably because my dad was a musician, and you know, I've always watched him, and he'll put me in front of people, so I oh, think that yeah. probably carried over. You were playing uh, music too? No, I would always. Well, I mean, I had like little keyboards and stuff, but I, I never got good at it. Uh huh. But but he would put you up in front of the the people, like, like the family. Uh-huh. Or at the end of the shows, he'll have me come up on the mic or whatever, and I'll play around, start singing MC Hammer because that's all I knew at the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think I've always. Thought I was a star in my head, like I was one of them type of kids. Yeah, I always wanted to be on stage. Cause I actually started uh, rapping before comedy too. So, oh yeah, those the rap. I guess the writing process came from like I'm writing punchlines and raps. Let me try and transition it to stand up because I was trying to be like an Eminem, like you know, kind of funny with the raps. Uh-huh. That kind of helped the writing process. How long were you doing the the rapping? Um, like did you I was, put I was out- on the label. I was on the label for like right after high school, so probably a couple years. Oh wow, man! Yeah, but I was trying to be a gangster rapper, and you know, eventually that faded out because I I couldn't live up to the the rhymes I was spitting. Yeah. So, but you were trying to be the funny gangster rapper, or you were, like you were trying uh, to just put humor into it. Yeah, I mean the punchlines were funny, like, but it'd be gangster at the same time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I could spit something for you, but yeah, I don't, don't want to scare you. <laughs> okay, but. I don't know. I thought that was dope, but it was gangster and funny. Like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that wasn't me. How did you put out uh, albums or CDs, or do you have mixtapes and stuff uh, that you put out? Or I was on like compilation mixtapes. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was on their label called Under No Control, and like the main guy's name was Obex. He was um, basically I just be I was like his 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 second guy, like his uh, almost like his meth bleak. Uh huh. And you know he was like the Jay Z. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was the one that was putting out albums. So I'll just be on features. Yeah. Yeah. Were you ever trying to do both? Like do both comedy and music? Like kind of mix it up? I still do. In your same set? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it turned more into poetry. Uh huh. Like at first, I tried to do it as like you know music, and then um, I don't know. It just came across more as poetry now, and now now my poet my poetry is just real deep. I guess. Um, I guess we'll t- we can talk about that later, though. As far as uh... no, we can talk about whatever you want now. Okay. I mean, because like uh, that's that's interesting. That because like comedy, you want to be like funny, silly, but poetry, you want people to take you kind of serious. You want to express yourself, right. not in the like the so so silly or the the funny aspect of it. Right. You know. So it's 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 interesting that you kind of like you have two different outlets uh, for that. You know, the mm-hmm. poetry and the comedy and stuff. Right. So that's interesting. Like, so you would do. You would mix a show, like put on one show, but doing both sides of that. Yeah, um, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, for sure, so, dude. Uh, yeah, the comedy, you know, we're laughing, we're laughing, we're laughing, and then uh, the poetry kind of turned more into a testimony of kind of what comedy did to me, is or the comedy business did to me. Yeah, and um, like, so say my act would pretty much be, you know, I'm telling these jokes, these jokes, and then I kind of tell the story of this comedy business ain't easy. Like, <laughs> I didn't know business. I came into the comedy game at age 20. Yeah. And I was doing well, like, from the first time I got on stage. Even if the jokes weren't really funny, but for some reason, people liked me. Uh-huh. So um, I thought I was going to be a star or whatever, and then I got slapped by the comedy business. And When you took, say slapped by the comedy business, like, what exactly do you, what does that mean? Uh, just everything took a toll on me as far as I started. <laughs> I was naive to a lot of things. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm I'm really young, and most of these comedians are, you know, a lot older than me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I found out years later what was really going on as far as, like, you know, at, com- comedians like to hang out with each other. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they would invite me to hang out. And I didn't realize that they would be going to the back room to do cocaine. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'll be in there by myself, like, man. Where did everybody go? I'm not even using the bathroom <laughs> at the same time. And then they'll come back and they're just super talkative, super talkative. I'm like, dang. Yeah. And I never knew. And then they told me, like, years later, like, yeah, man, we were all back there doing coke. We didn't want to put you into that, that lifestyle. So I appreciate that. Yeah. But, yeah, it was wild. So, I mean, stuff like that hit me. Like, dang, this is like a drug business. Um, then the money, you know, people are going to take advantage of you, like, if you don't know anything, if you're a young comedian, especially, you ain't never had no type of business. Yeah. Yeah, you want to do a show? They ain't even got to the money part. I'm already saying yes. Yeah. You going to do it? Oh, I don't have to pay them. So I'm getting ran to the ground while they're pocketing all this money. And then when I finally try to, like, you know, say something, it's like, I should have been on top of it. Yeah. It's it's rough, dude. Like, I'm in that sense. I'm in that because I'm early into it, like, three years that I'm not even concerned with money. You know, a lot of people are like they're chasing the business part of it, the show business part of it, rather than the funny part of it. Working for funny, mm-hmm. uh, they're working towards money, and uh, I don't, that that just that that bugs me a little bit. You know, I, I want I wish people worked harder on uh, their jokes mm-hmm. or you know their sets, but I understand like that it is a business, and people, I mean, people want to be paid for their time, and I and I get that, but I think when it becomes your life, that's how you got to eat. It, it changes. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm in my position, like I told you, there's a bunch of different aspects that were slapping me. Like my parents, like, you need to get serious, go to, you know, get a real job. This comedy ain't going to do it. So I'm, you know, I'm dealing with all that at the same time. So I'm like, man, I got to survive. I got to, you know. It's, so you it, felt you had to prove yourself to people financially. Like you had to like prove that you're doing this and it's going to work out financially. Well, got to that point. Yeah. It got to that point. Yeah. And then that's. Damn. That's the, that's where you know the depression hit. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. Like, dang, I, I've uh, the, the, my depression came from I failed everybody, including myself. Man, so that's where it's like that's where the dark place came. So I say I've been doing it 19 years, but when that dark place hit and I popped, I'm, um, you know, I had to take a break. Yeah. So I mean, I probably took you know a good two to three years off. Uh, I mean, it may pop in every now and then, but I wasn't doing it. Yeah. So, um, so it's not a 19 years straight. There was a time where it was, you know, I, I don't know what I need to be doing. When you took that break initially, did it did it help relieve some of that depression? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I say it did because the stress is away, right? Like that's not that's when I'm not working towards that. Yeah. Like my- it sucks. I'm missing it, but at the same time, like I'm not I'm not failing at anything right now. It's a, yeah. You know? A little bit is you, you can say that it's a little it's a little bit of liberation in it. Yeah, like, you know I'm not missing that. I know what y'all you know I don't have to do that right now. But I freaking hate jobs. Yeah, like I want to be doing comedy. Yeah, <laughs> so I've had a million jobs, and every job, every job that I've had, I feel like I've quit because of comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's because I put. I would put pressure on myself at these jobs. Like even though, I say, I, if I wasn't doing comedy right there, I'll tell everybody, hey, I'm a comedian. Mm-hmm. And I can I, I don't know why I would do that, but I would tell people I'm a comedian and then not be able to handle the pressure of everybody treating me like a comedian. Like, oh, he's a comedian, tell a joke. Like, Oh, yeah. So I would leave jobs because it just got too much. Wow. I don't know if anybody else has to go through that. Now I wear a damn shirt. You know what I'm <laughs> Yeah. That's funny, but, man. So it's like I would use it to get... To, to get comfortable so people like me mm-hmm. <laughs> and then not be able to handle the pressure. Uh, what were you doing to kind of like deal with, with that first battle with depression mm-hmm. from the first like failure and all that stuff in the early years uh, in comedy? Like what were you doing? What was helping you re- mm-hmm. like relieve that? Uh, watching a lot of basketball. Like I guess my first first love was basketball. Yeah. And um I mean, something that, this is one small thing that helped when I was like just super low and I had already went through my freaking break was um, that's when LeBron James was with Cleveland Cavaliers mm-hmm. and uh, he was just going crazy. It was against the Detroit Pistons and mm-hmm. he just had this one game where he scored like 20 points in the fourth quarter. It might have been a temporary fix, but I promise like that was like the first thing that helped me like that gave me some type of life. I like you know, like so that's why I, I always appreciate and defend LeBron James because I just feel like that game. Yo, had that connection right there. <laughs> it gave me some type of life. It might be lame, but um, no, it, it's it's. I mean, it's a it's a it's a source of escapism. But that's what video games are. That's what music is. That's what sports are. You know, like 
I, I, for you, I mean, it had like a deeper impact on you than it would for somebody else and stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's good that you have that, you know, it's hard that you had that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like that helped me. That was like a first step of like, okay, <laughs> you know, LeBron kind of like gave me a little bit of life. So now I can, you know, take the next step. Yeah. So what made you get back into it? Comedy? Yeah. Somebody, two year, two somebody told off. me. I don't, I don't remember who it was. I just know somebody told me, like, that. you're a comedian. That's where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And, I mean, I can I can say God told me. Like, it was, it was an actual human being that told me. But that spoke to me, and I started getting back on stage. Whole style changed of the way I did stand-up. It was weird. What was the style before? What was it after? Uh, well, my influence was always, like, Comic View, Def Comedy Jam. So uh-huh. I was a little more uh, energetic. You would be surprised if you saw like my older tapes. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah, you're real laid back now. Like you're just you're yeah. comfortable. Like I said, like just you look, you're chilling up there. You know. Yeah, I wasn't forcing anything. Yeah. But before I was, I was. You know, I'm screaming. Had, like, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm still kind of chill, but it's it's different. Yeah. So I was uh I was almost um just more laid back and um I didn't force anything. Yeah. So I was all uh, Cliff could call me like an instructor on stage, but. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he meant by that. No. But. Uh, that's cool, man. So you're starting a business. Well, the podcast that you do with your wife, what, what made y'all want to do that? It's like a marriage counseling type of podcast? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's that's difficult because, uh, you know, you're putting all your laundry out there. And you know, even if you're just talking about random stuff, they automatically, you know, think is, is what you're going through in real life. Yeah. But um, did you ever try marriage counseling before? Or is that where you got the idea for the podcast? Uh, that's not where we got the idea, but we are currently doing marriage like therapy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah. That, that makes it hard. It's, it's really it's really difficult. Cause, um, you know, we'll do the podcast and then after the podcast is, you know, you got to sometimes deal with stuff. You may have said the wrong thing. Like, you know, you know I didn't you know, I didn't I didn't appreciate that. Yeah. So, um. That, that becomes art, and she's she's a you know she's a public figure in the city too. Oh, really? As far as she's you know, she has her own modeling agency. It's pretty pretty big, and um, you know she's very well known in the black community as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just makes it hard for us because like we're under a spotlight, and people people are more entertained by the bad stuff that happens than for sure celebrating. I mean, yeah yeah that you know when something good happens they, they care more about like our problems that's what that's what entertainment has become it's like other people's like the bad things that people go through other people are inter- entertained by that you know yeah. it's like the, the people that slow down at car accidents you know to see what's going on they're not slowing yeah. down to help out they're just slowing down to see how bad it is what is that is that just human nature or what, what like what it, yeah it's it's disgusting that's what it is man i i hate it i i, I don't do it i i make a, a conscious effort to not you know if, if they're working on them like i'm not going to slow down to to see what's going on you know it's none of my business really uh but i mean i'm not going to say that i don't get entertained by uh, by other people's like negative stuff and yeah. it sucks when you think about it cuz like th- those are people the people that you're watching go through some bad time bad, like negative stuff yeah. they're human beings you know, yeah, and they they don't really want to be watched, but then again, sometimes they do. I guess I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Man, I think we're all guilty to a certain extent. Yeah, did y'all did y'all realize uh, before y'all started the podcast what kind of effect it could have negative? Like if y'all were, like putting everything out there and stuff. I think we were clueless. Yeah, but I was just surprised about the popularity of it. Yeah, I was like, why do people like this so much? Like, is I mean, it, it, I guess. I guess just me and her are just very interesting together because, like I said, she's a model and very confident and just all that. And I'm just kind of like this comedian that, you know, I don't, you know, my whole act is kind of almost talking down about myself sometimes. Yeah. So I guess people are just very interested by it. And um, I don't know. I didn't expect the, you know, the popularity of it. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. The wife and I tried marriage counseling a couple of times, went to a few sessions and stuff. And it helped open the lines of communication. It just you think so? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you: Is your counselor a, a male or female? 
Yeah, she was she was female. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't. We the only reason we stopped was not because we were like, oh, we're all fixed now. It's just because it wasn't covered under our insurance. Uh, <laughs> so we just that's stopped. Why stopped. We stopped going. Like I, I go to a therapist uh, on my own because it is covered, but marriage counseling surprisingly isn't covered on, under my insurance. Wow. And that's the main reason why we don't go. We're doing better now, but uh, I think it, it does help that I go to therapy and deal with it. With a uh, with a third person, like an outside party, yeah. deal with my shit rather than take it out on my wife, which was a big problem that I was having before and stuff. Uh, you you believe in uh, therapy, like solo therapy, or do you? I do solo therapy too. Yeah, uh, but it's usually still talking about marriage. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe in it. And um, what made you finally decide to to start doing therapy? Because it is a it is a tough thing to to accept. Yeah. to uh to pursue for yourself you know because we all want to feel like man i got this i i right. could take care of this maybe, maybe like i just need a beer or i just right. need I, I need a drug or i need a burger something i could i could fix it on my own and then you come to the point where you're just like no i can't you yeah. gotta you gotta come to the terms that no i can't did you have a moment like that or were you always mm-hmm. like pro therapy yeah i think i did um i mean at first i'm like man this is gonna be corny yeah, I'm not doing this. Like, as a man, I know the problem. You the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody around me is a problem. Right. You know, but it did help me learn that. Damn, I do have some issues. Like, oh, I do do that. Damn, I didn't yeah. realize that affects you differently. Yeah, like, it's definitely a difference between man and woman. Like, yeah, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know I was doing it. I didn't know that I was telling you how you felt. Oh, like you know, just little stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it it, t- it it took a. Maybe uh maybe the first session I realized like all right this is this is worth it yeah yeah so I um I don't know if it'll be different with a a male therapist because you know. oh you have a female therapist yeah see so, that was my thing too I th- I thought I've been through a couple of, uh, a therapist and they were all females and then the last one that I had before I, the one I have now is a male therapist mm-hmm. and now we just seem like like buddies right. Uh, to the point where, like, it's like, are we doing therapy or am I just giving you, like, <laughs> money every other weekend or something like that, you know, because just to hang out. Yeah. Um, but it it could be dangerous, too, because, like, the last female therapist that I had, I would leave angry all the time. Really? Because she was just, and I'm not saying she's bad at her job. She We just didn't work out mm-hmm. because she was making me, she was validating my anger towards everybody rather than, like, well, why are you angry? Why do you feel this way? Why do you react that way? She was saying you like you have a right to be angry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dang, I don't know about that. Yeah, it was very bad. Like, so I would go go back home to my wife, and I would be like, "My therapist says you're, you know, you're wow. you're wrong, and all this Ooh. stuff." I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I would think yeah, that. Yeah. Well, that's something that um, I guess that we made it clear we're not going to discuss. You know what the therapist has talked to us about individually. Okay. Yeah, we kind of that's between us. Okay. I mean, unless she tells us that yo, you know, y'all should talk about this or whatever. But mm-hmm. for the most part, like, she she makes it clear that we shouldn't discuss it with each other. Yeah. So. Okay. So you do solo sessions and the marriage sessions with the same person, the same therapist? Uh, well, they started as like marriage sessions, like with us both together. Uh huh. Couple. And now yeah. they've kind of turned into individual sessions, but we're gonna go back to doing, you know, sessions together. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but lately, over the past year, it's just been like solo sessions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that works better doing the solo sessions. Everybody has their time with this with this person to like get everything out. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I don't know if how I feel about couples therapy as far as long term thing. It might uh-huh. be like, and really, when we went, we just needed a referee. You know, we had a certain set of issues that we kept butting heads about, and we just needed a referee for that time. <laughs> you know, yeah, basically, and. uh and so we, we kind of like hashed it out. We we got the stuff done, and I was like, okay, this is getting expensive, but I think we're doing good. So yeah, that's when I kind of knocked it off with that, and then just started doing uh with with the therapist that I have now. Um, so but I mean, if it if it works for you, I mean, therapy if it works, if it's helping, if it's guiding you in the right direction, whether it's solo or uh, couples therapy, I mean, you just have to you have to want to to do it. Hmm. And you want to understand exactly why she's telling you to do stuff. Like at first, I I I wasn't all the way in. Like she'll be like, you know, when 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 your wife comes home from work, hug her for five minutes straight or something like that. Uh-huh. And in my head, I'm like, 
why am I hugging them for five minutes straight? Like, <laughs> you set a timer. <laughs> yeah, like, this is stupid. Five minutes is up. We're done. <laughs> but now I understand why I'm doing that. Like, I'm taking off all the weight that she might have had, you yeah. know, at work or whatever. Like, I'm telling you, you, you come first. Like, I care about you as soon as you walk in the door. Yeah. You know, I've missed you all day. Or, you know, that's, that's going to, like, take care of so It's almost like a, uh, like a safeguard, like a... Um, you know, explosions happen really quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to uh, stop that expl- explosion because it's so fast. Like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. for like a fireman, they, they have safeguards to prevent fires from happening. So it's like little stuff that you got to plant to that may uh, prevent like an explosion from happening later that day. Mm-hmm. So there's just that hug as a safeguard to keep it. Like maybe a explosion that might happen that ain't even my fault, but it's directed towards me. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So uh, this is little stuff that you just got to just got to like ask questions and like, you know, figure out why you're doing it. Yeah. So uh, so that's cool, man. So uh, for the Glass Town podcast, what I do, I like to bring the guest on. And then I have a certain, I have three questions that I like to ask. Uh, and then we'll get into discussion with that. Uh, what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to see what, how we use our sense of humor, you know, to deal with these types of stuff. You know, as comics, even as uh, other people like uh, other artists, like musicians or writers, directors, painters, all that stuff, we kind of use a defense mechanism to deal with the stuff uh, that we don't want to deal with or that we are forced to deal with mm-hmm. in a certain way. For comics, it may be to joke about the things that are causing us, you know, mental health issues and all that stuff. Uh, so I just want to see how you deal with, with certain things, uh, for these, uh, questions. Uh, so we'll just get started with the first one. Uh, what is something that you're afraid of? Um, working on it, but, uh, I've always just been afraid of love. Wow. That's been an issue. And, uh, you know, probably part of my, you know, all my issues as far as, um, you know, I didn't meet my my mom or my dad till I was like five years old. So I never really had. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never, you know, I wasn't a baby that was getting held a lot or, you know, so it, it was hard. It's hard. It's still hard for me to accept love. Oh, uh-huh. So if I look anti-social or very awkward uh, or, I, you know, it looks like I can't take a compliment. It's because I still have issues like receiving love. Wow. That's interesting. I, I, I get that. Like when you said it like that, I was a little bit confused. Like you're, you couldn't love or you couldn't receive love. But now that you break it down like that, uh, that does make sense. And that affects everything. That does affect including everything. marriage. Yeah. <laughs> something so big as marriage and something so small as like, hey, man, good set. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. What, is it? What, are you, what are you saying? Like, you don't <laughs> think I'm an asshole. Cause, <laughs> yeah. But I got it. Yeah, I'm still working on that. Yeah. Working on it. Like, how, like, do you, where, where do you get the steps from to work towards that? You know? I mean, I guess I still don't know how to fix it. Like, uh, maybe that's a future, you know, session with my therapist. I've told her, like, this is something that I want to get better at. Like, I want to genuinely, you know, be able to accept compliments or, you know, now, like right now with the comedy club, people are showing me all this love. Like, I feel like I'm the most popular dude. And <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge thing, man. It's yeah, a huge yeah. thing. But I don't want to be an asshole. Like, um, so I, I got to get better, like, quick. Do you think if you take a compliment that you're being an asshole? I think, uh, I don't think I am. I just don't know how. I don't think to, you are either, but like you're. It's gonna it, look like that. You you think you come off like that if you take it like, oh yeah yeah thanks you know. Yeah. That's I, I do. Like I I want to be genuine and like accepted and you know I do appreciate it. Yeah. But I um I don't know. And then like I said, I feel like I. Do I, you think they're not being honest with you? Uh, you do you not believe? I guess that's my fear. You don't believe. That may be my fear. Yeah. That, um, you know, what do you want? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay. Are you, are you trying to get close to me or like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. So now I think we all kind of deal with that fear, especially with, with people that we don't know that we're not like 100% comfortable with. Yeah. You know, we're just like, well, why are you being too, why are you being nice to me? Like, what, what, what do you want? What are you after? Right. You know, and that, that's what I told my therapist is I've only been comfortable with my, <clears throat> my core friends from high school till now. So I've always had trouble of making another friend, like a real friend. Oh, yeah. And um, I feel like that's part of my problem, too. Like, I don't know how to, you know, let people in. Yeah. 
No, I get that. Like the whole the the comfort or the 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 familiarity with the people that you grew up with, the same friends from from high school and all that stuff. I kind of had to break away from that just because like I wasn't really like growing as a person personally, you know, because I was stuck in this whole thing. I mean, it's nice to have friends from like you know the the old days, you know, the high school days, the kids, you know, from the street, right. from your block, you know, all that stuff. But at the same time, you're all you got is that. Right. You got to grow. You got to grow. Yeah. You got to meet other people. You got to see what you're about. You got to do different things, you know. So the fact of, like, holding on to that, the the past, and I know people, maybe some old friends are going to hear this and think, like, well, that's why we don't hang out. But <laughs> it kind of is. You know, it kind of is because, like, everybody else could branch off and do their own thing in that old circle. But if they see you branching off and doing your own thing, you're like, Dude, why why are you why are you leaving us in the in the dark? You know, why are you right. being cold to us? Why why you changed? You know, like no man, like y'all changed this whole time. Y'all got y'all branched out and did your own thing. This is right. me branching out. I'm not dissing you. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not leaving you behind. That that happened to me because I moved to Dallas for a couple years and my friends they felt like they they turned on me. That's yeah. Like when I came back, they like I mean we're still friends, but they for that. I let them know, like, man, I feel like y'all turned on me, like y'all. <laughs> yeah, y'all started treating me different. It sucks, man. It it sucks both sides, and like it, they they kind of take it personally. They think like, oh man, well you just forgot about me. I'm not important. That's not the case, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's tough, man. Like I, I went through one thing. Uh, well, with with my mom passing, uh, I realized a lot about the people around me. Mm-hmm. I realized a lot about myself, and. It, it was it was it's real tough to like kind of deal with all that and then like wake up and see like where where the fuck is everybody, what happened to everybody, you know all, all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I, for a while I was angry. I was taking it personal, but at the same time, you know I wasn't the only one going through stuff. I felt like that. You know I felt like people should have been more like checking in on me and stuff, but right. it just didn't it just didn't happen because I did do that whole branching off stuff. So there's pros and cons to like leaving your old friends behind or leaving them like, or, or like branching out without them. Right. Is that they're going to feel abandoned and then when you do need them, they're just not going to be there because they feel like you left them in in the past. That's yeah. just, that's life. That's part of growing. That's part of like Most you definitely. growing as a person. I mean, you're going to have to deal with people. You're going to have to leave people in, behind. You're going to have to like move on without them. But at the same time, you got to realize you can't expect them to just be there on hold, just like they shouldn't expect that from you. Right. That's true. You know? Yeah. And that's something you got to deal with. It's, it's not it's not fun. It's not nice. But you got to deal with the reality of like, well, you got to see it from both sides. How do you feel about when you go through a period or when you went through periods alone? Like, you're like, dang, I ain't got my friends like I thought I did. I'm- it's just me. It's yeah, just- I, I went. I'm. I'm still de- dealing with it with anger issues, and I still don't trust people that like, you know, like when I got into comedy, I had like, and this is just me as how I work personally. I keep my circle very small. I keep my 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 circle very small, so I know where everybody's at, and if they need me, I'm like I'm not stretching myself too thin with all that stuff. And then I just realized, and then I, <laughs> I think like like. I get too, I don't even know how to say it. Like, I'm like, okay, we're best friends now. You are my best friend now. And then that's my perspective. And they're, they're like, you're cool, I yeah. guess. <laughs> you, know, like, you just realize, like, okay, maybe we're not as close as I thought that we were. And that's my fault for like pushing it too hard or like trying to too, friend too hard with you or something. Have, that ever, have you actually did that? Like, oh, you know, hey, this is my best friend right here. And they're probably not thinking the same thing in their head. Have you for done sure. That? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, not not in that way, but it's been like, oh, maybe, maybe we're not as, <laughs> as close of friends as, as, as I thought, you know? That's weird. Because I had somebody do that to me. He was started just telling people that I was his best friend. Yeah. And I don't know how to, like... <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough, dude. Like, we're it, tight. we really tight. Yeah. I just don't call anybody my best friend. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we're... we're I like you. You know, you're cool to hang around with, but, like, <laughs> my best friend, like, I want to help you move. I want to pick you up from the airport, you know? <laughs> I feel like after, like, 15... You shouldn't call anybody your best friend. I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? I, I was talking to somebody about that. Like, 
Friends is such a like silly kid thing. Like that's such a like BFF. A, yeah, it's such a game that we play. <laughs> like, why can't we just like we're yeah we're adults, but we're still like we're best buds. <laughs> like, it just seems so silly. I think I, I think I might just have a conflict. It might just be no. Me. It's not just you. I mean, like I think it's a male thing for sure. Uh, like my wife, she makes friends everywhere she goes. Man, like she's mm. she she's she's so good at it. You know, people like attach themselves to her like. All that so, stuff. Sounds like my wife too. Yeah, like and she's just like, yeah, people, people like me. I was like, what is that like? Right. <laughs> you know, how do you do You're that? So good at that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I know. I mean, I, I know it's a, a thing that uh, that I think males feel. You know, like it's corny. Friends is corny. You know, wanting friends, being fr- uh, like, are we best friends? Or are we mm-hmm. just like, you know, yeah. it's just you know, it's a you weird know what dynamic. Vibe I get off of you. Like, I don't see you. I've been seeing you out a little more. Yeah, but. Uh, I feel like you when you come to an open mic, like you you, you clock in for work, you get ready, but you don't I, be you're not. I don't see you trying to like talk to everybody and catch up. Like you, you know, you, it, got, you got your business. It, it, yeah, that's very true. That's very accurate. That is very <laughs> accurate. And I, I know it's 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 it hurts. Not doesn't hurt, but it will affect. It does affect how busy I am. You know, because I, I'm friendly, but I'm not friends with people to like uh, like the way other people are, you know, and that's usually how you book shows. You know, you hang out with people and your friends will book you and then, you know, their friends will book you and all, all that stuff. And I go up there. I don't get friendly until after I'm off stage. Once I'm off stage, then I'll start hanging out and like talking to people and knocking around. Oh, OK, but. Before I go up, I'm just focused on like, okay, what's the new thing I want to talk about? What did I want to work on today? Yeah. Or what does this crowd look like? They, that looks familiar. He looks. Uh, they look like they've seen this before. So let me try something mm-hmm. else. Let me not say this. Okay. Like I'm so trying to like figure it out before You're I go on reading, stage. Reading the crowd. I'm and trying. Yeah. Okay. And because look, here's the thing, I I started when I was 35. Okay. I didn't start till I was 35. So that's pretty late in comedy. Yeah, it is. You know, a lot of the other people they started like in their 20s. You know, they're still figuring it out. They're still having fun with it. Mm. And not that I'm not having fun with it, but I'm taking it a little bit more seriously because I think there's a sense of urgency in my case to kind of uh, get to kind of get better, to, to kind of like prove myself more. I think you have a, an advantage of somebody that starts in their 20s. Yeah. Uh, you can definitely get better faster. You've already had experiences. Mm. Um, you know business a little more. Mm. So I just think people that start older get good a lot faster. Maybe. I mean... Or they, they move further a lot faster. I hope so. I hope that's true. I mean, like, there's not... I mean, there's there are a few people that started late, but there's not many that are, like, as successful... Steve Harvey started as, pretty as, late. Yeah. Like, uh, Kyle Kinane kind of started late, I think. Uh, Dean Del Rey oh. started, like... I have no clue who those people are. His, <laughs> I'm sorry. So they're doing great. No, they're, no, <laughs> no, no they're no. probably... No, but it's very few, very few people that start in in my age bracket that kind of like have kind of the success that I'm I'm hoping for. Um, Had you been studying the comedy? Like what makes you just all of a sudden at 35, I'm I'm, going to do comedy or is it something that's always been lingering? I was in bands. I was I was I was always performing for like the past two decades. Okay, you're like a drummer, right? Yeah, that's right. So I always I always was addicted to the stage. I always Mm -hmm. liked the validation. But you didn't have the mic. The claps. No, I didn't. And that's what's all new to me. It's yeah. all new to me and it's so fucking scary. Uh but and I, I mean when we when we were on the road on tours and stuff, we were so tired of listening to music. We would listen to comedy albums. Mm. Oh, know? really? Yeah, Greg Geraldo, Patton Oswalt, on oh, Season Sorry, you know. That's on the long drives we like, we would listen to comedy. Mm. And even before that, I I liked comedy before, you know, watched like the Comedy Central and my parents had the Ronnie Dangerfield record. Oh, okay. You know, so it was always around me. I just didn't realize how you get into it. Were stuff. you the funniest in the band? No, we were, we were all funny, you think? <laughs> you know, we were all wow, funny. that was a humble response. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you have to be funny, especially mm. if you're in a rock band, not making any money, sleeping on people's floors, sleeping on couches. You have to have mm. a good sense of humor. You have to be light about it or else you're going to fucking go crazy. You know, did you see did you see yourself like because I remember I started I was with Comedia Go Go, the sketch comedy group for mm-hmm. a little like very little time. Mm-hmm. And 
they were more comfortable together because they, they were so used to each other. And when yeah. they kind of branched off to the solo thing, it was hard for them because they were so used to having somebody to fall back. Did you feel like being solo, like, you know, this is, I don't know, I'm used to just having people on, with me? Yeah, it was very tough. It was very tough because as a drummer, you're in the back. Um, but also, I did want to be seen. You know, oh, okay. like I put like everything. Well, if you see a drummer, like usually their stuff's really high. They're covered by stuff. I kept everything very low. So you're going to see what I'm doing. You're going to see me. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. Yeah. I feel you. So I did. It's not like I did want to hide myself, you know, and being the drummer, you're the loudest. Everybody else could fuck up. But if you fuck up, they're going to see it. So I mm-hmm. took it very seriously. Performing, I've always had the, uh, the as far as performing, I always wanted to be perfect. I always wanted mm-hmm. to be good. You know, I always wanted to be noticed and stuff. So that did help, you know, when it was when I was done with bands and I was like, how am I going to get back on stage? I don't know what else to do to get back on stage. And I was looking at uh, there were some open mics, variety open mics that had a back line. Mm -hmm. And all that means is that the the drum set is already there. The amps are already there. All you got to do is show up, bring your sticks and start jamming. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started looking into that. And that's when I started saying, you know, like open mic, singer, songwriter, comedy. Mm -hmm. I was like. What, they do comedy here? So you started going to do the drum, to play drums at first? Yeah, I was looking for bands. I was looking for, uh-huh. for bandmates. I was looking for people to jam out with. So you was like, fuck it. And that's when I saw that they were doing open mic comedy. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, shit, that's... And then I went to a couple mics. I saw how it was done. And I was like, all right. <laughs> well, because plus with comedy, you don't have to rely on anybody else. It's all you, you know. Oh, yeah. If you want to go up on a Monday, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's big. Yeah, I hate relying on other people. I hate relying on other people. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could. I'm not gonna lie and say I hate it. I wish I could. I just, I, I can't. I don't know. I get let down a lot. Yeah, and that that sucks. That sucks. And with the band, you know, you're on four different guys' schedules, you know, and then everybody's, you know, with their marriage, with their jobs, with their kids. Oh yeah, they'd rather be doing anything else besides rehearsing. I mean, I'm sure it's way different when they got families and yeah. other priorities like that. Yeah. And so when it came time to like, okay, I want to perform somehow. I tried to do music by myself. That did, that didn't work out well. <laughs> oh, you, you were singing? Uh, well, sort Tell of. True. I bought a, a auto tune, an auto tune box. Oh my god! And I was fucking with that. Um, I tried to get my wife to sing. Because I was like, how fun would it be if we were in a band together? You know, yeah, she, yeah. she, we, we met in marching band, but she's not a musician. Okay. You know, she's not like a solo musician or anything. She did. She helped you. I no, I never convinced her. She, oh, I was gonna say at least she was cool enough. To one drunken night, we we recorded some demos and stuff, and then she was like, "Don't, don't record that. I mean, don't put That's that." That's a out. beautiful thing, man. Like, yeah, she she. I mean, she supports it. She she wouldn't have done it though. Oh, she wouldn't okay. have kept up with it. You know, but one night she was just playing with a little box, and I recorded her, and then I fucked around with it and stuff. But it wasn't gonna work out. So I, I like, like stuff like that. As long as she attempts, is yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, and then uh, and so I started doing open mics, and then I just got really addicted to it, and I was like, oh, this is how I'm gonna be on stage. Okay. And it just it was You'll never it was play the fun. drums again. Nah, I mean I tried to get back, and it's just so much work, man. It's so expensive, so much work. I didn't realize how serious the drums was because I had a buddy that just loved the drums so much. Like he had to practice all the time. Like it was it was funny to me, but now I realize how serious it is. Like you gotta stay sharp. You gotta stay sharp. You gotta stay sharp. Why is he just playing the drums in his room by himself? Yeah. (laughs) A lot of you sound stupid. Yeah. And that's what it is. That's that's exactly what open mics are. It's it's learning chords, it's learning Mm -hmm. how to play the drums. You know, but ain't the drums the easiest? Hell no, man. You would think. I mean, possibly, <laughs> possibly. I'm not saying it's easy to play drums, but to like, you can play, you can play whatever you want as long as it's on beat. I don't know if I'm, if I'm. No, wrong. you got a point there because like, I don't, I don't. There's no chords. There's no, you know, you don't have to hit a certain chord the right way. You don't have to hit a key the right way and all that stuff. You just have to keep the beat. You have to keep it. So I guess. In that sense, it is the easiest, but it's it's all instruments are hard. All all instruments, playing instruments are hard. I guess the drums would be the easiest. I'm gonna to tell do. you a secret. I only bob my head to the drums. Yeah, <laughs> I don't listen. Like if I'm at church, 
my, even though I probably should be bobbing my head to Jesus, I'm bobbing <laughs> my head to the drums. Yeah. I love the drums, but I think that's a black thing. And, you know, you know, the Dave Chappelle sketch, he said, white man, he vibes to the guitar. Yeah. And black people vibe to the drums. So <laughs> yeah. You're our hero. Nah, that's, that's fun, man. Uh, <laughs> so cool. So, okay. So we deal with your, your fear. That's, that's, I mean, that's a huge fear that we all deal with. You said you're working on it. How, how are you working on it? Just trying to be more... Uh, accepting. I mean, it's starting at home. Yeah. So uh, I have to communicate with my wife, like, hey, you know, I'm trying to get better at this. If you can meet me halfway, at least. You know? Yeah. If sometimes I don't come across as affectionate, like, can you call me on it? Like, check me on it so I can I can start correcting it more. Okay. So, I mean, that's how I'm, I'm trying to. But nice. I'm not going to be just hugging everybody. And um... <laughs> No, it's not going to happen overnight and stuff. And like, I mean, it's it's, you've been dealing with it for so long, it's harder to switch off. But yeah. at least you're aware of it, and you mean no harm from it. Like you, you're not, you're not actually an asshole. You yeah. just maybe just having this that way. <laughs> just having this conversation. I mean, maybe the core of it. Cause I thought like maybe the core of it is you know confronting my mother, not confronting her, but just talking to her about it. And yeah, I feel like that's that's where it stems from. So that might help. Yeah, that, that might be a thing. Or my dad too. I mean, he's not the most affectionate person. Yeah, you know, he's real. You know, uh, you know, just puts on a. Just a hard face, you know. He ain't gonna hug you, or yeah, he ain't gonna tell you I love you much, stuff like that. So, man, that's tough to deal with. That's but the core. Yeah, that, that I mean, that's where it, that's where it stems from, you know. Yeah. But as long as you know that you want to work towards it, I think that you're already making a positive step in that direction. Yeah. To feel it, you know, to to fix it. Uh, what is something that you worry about? Um, a failure. Yeah. I mean, that's. You know, that's what, you know, jumping into the comedy club is not, not being afraid to fail. So I had to make myself uncomfortable. But, um, yeah, I mean, being, just being a failure to my parents, to my, you know, my wife, mm-hmm. uh, having a failed marriage. Uh, you know, as a father, uh, you know, my stepdad, I still take that serious of, uh, you know, wanting to be a, you know, a po- like a positive winning figure in their life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely failure. That might be a boring answer. No, it's not boring. I mean, I got, everybody feels fears uh, or worries about failing, you know. But at least you're trying, man. Yeah. At least you're trying. You're putting in the effort. You're putting in the work. You're, but you're trying to get it done. The pressure is, like, I'm afraid to be great. I guess that goes back to the fear. But I'm, I'm also, like, once I start, like, I feel personally, like, the last time I did The Funniest Person in South Texas. Uh-huh. Like I think I had one of the better sets in the early rounds, and then when it started, people start saying like, "Damn, I think you might win this or whatever." Like a lot of people started saying that. Like I was like I, was, I could probably win it. That made me not want to win it. I don't know why. I never. I don't know oh. why. I don't know why that happened. That made like so my set. I went up so lackluster and like I don't know what got into my head. I'm like, damn, am I afraid to be great and receive that love? If I did, like, why didn't I go my hardest? But people telling me that, I don't know. I don't know if that's just a loser gene. <laughs> that is crazy. Like, why? Why wouldn't you want to do the best? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't want to know if I didn't want the attention or oh, the attention from women. I, I, I can't figure it out. But that's a that's probably something very bad to have in your system is to not want to be like great. Yeah, man. Like I'm, hold, like I'm holding back my greatness. You know? Yeah, especially if you're going to a business where you need to be great. You need to not not fail. And not that I'm saying, like, I don't want to jinx you in saying, like, you know, you're always aware of the possibilities of what could happen, mm-hmm. you know. But focusing on what the positive things, you know, what what positive are you going to get out of it? What are you going to do to make sure that it doesn't go the negative way? Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that's, that should be the focus and not, you yep. know, what if, what if I'm too good at this? What if I'm too successful? What if this place is too good? Yeah. You know? That may have helped me back just even in my whole comedy career. As, yeah. Cause I, I, I can recall times now we're talking about it, of people saying, Hey, you want a headline? Hey, you want a headline? Like, nah, I'm good. I'll feature. Like, even though I could probably headline. <laughs> I didn't want that. I guess that pressure, or I don't. I don't know. I just wanted. I was comfortable in that middle spot or the hosting spot. That's a dangerous thing. Comfort is a dangerous mm-hmm. thing, you know, because it will keep you back. You know, if I'm good here, why test out 
doing more? Why why try harder if I'm good right here? And that really sucks, man. I mean, that's that's a problem that we we all have for sure. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not all, all of us, but I think comfort is is a it's a killer. It is a killer. Yeah, you know. Um, dang, man. I mean, I, that, I, know, I hope there's a cure for it because. I, I, there has to be, man. I mean, yeah. the fact that you are aware of it yeah. has to be a positive step, you know? You're aware that you have this mentality sometimes. You're aware that you want, you'd rather be comfortable than, like, try to put the effort in to do better things, you know? Yeah. So that's, I mean, the fact that you, that you, uh, that you know about it could help you avoid it. Yeah, I just can't look back at it and I'm like, damn. I know I could have did better type of way because that that can hurt. Yeah, man. Kind of, I think all these questions kind of like hit on the same the same uh, nerve or struck the same nerve type of thing. They're all connected. Right. They're all stuff that you deal with. Uh, but the last question is, what's something that you don't like about yourself? Uh, that's a deep question to ask somebody. Yeah, something that you don't like about yourself. Uh, mentally, physically, or just anything? Anything, man. Like, for, for me, I'll just give you an example. I've been talking about my, uh, I have a speech impediment. As you mm-hmm. notice, I stutter. I, I have a hard time finding the words. I mumble. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, and I'm, I'm because of drums for so many years, I'm, I feel like I'm losing my hearing. All that stuff combined, combined makes me nervous around people, nervous around. That's why when you said, like, so do you do one-on-one or kind of like the four- you know, more people on podcasts. One-on-one is easier for me because it's easier to keep up with what you're saying mm-hmm. and to, re- like, respond back rather than if it was a group of people. I'm like, what's going on? Who's talking all this stuff? What's uh, your uh, your sign, by the way? My sign? Yeah. Virgo. Okay. All right. Well, well, I, I just thought that uh, that might be, like, a Gemini thing. Sometimes they feel crowded. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's something that, that, that I don't like about myself. Mm, so, you know, okay. like, so, but I've been talking about it more on stage. I feel more comfortable. And so when people see me slip up, they're like, oh, well, he, he already addressed it before. So we know mm. that he has that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, I mean, something like that. It doesn't have to be physical, mental, anything. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I don't like about myself. So that's why I ask people, like, what's something that you don't like about yourself? I mean, I could say what I wish I had. Like, uh, I mean... I wish I had more like like the gift of gab type deal. Like you know, like you say, your wife she can just be. Yeah. Uh, I wish I was. Th- I wish I can do that. Like people are always surprised that I'm a comedian. Yeah. Like what? I'm surprised that you do comedy because I'm not that outgoing person off stage. Yeah. Um, I wish I was just better at just better at just having the conversations in front of a lot of people and feeling comfortable. But, yeah. I mean that's that's one of many. <laughs> Why do you, what do you think that is? I, I get that. Like when I when I I work from home now, but when I worked in the office, I would I didn't tell nobody that I did comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was only a few people that I was Facebook friends with, and that's how people found out. But when people found out, I was like so mad at that person that told people <laughs> that I do comedy. Yeah, you know, because I was like this. I want separate worlds. You know, I don't want people to know. So when I'm at work, I don't talk to nobody. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like that. You know, outside in my outside world, I'm getting better at it. But yeah. why do you, why do you think? Why do you think you're so uh, you keep yourself apart from people? You know, just thinking about it right now, man. Like this whole podcast is therapeutic. Just being able to talk about it. So I appreciate you for doing this. And, no, thank you, you know, for coming on, man. Open this platform. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's an intimacy thing. Mm. So I'm much better with bigger crowds, and I'm able to like do my thing. Mm-hmm. But when it's like a smaller setting, it just becomes hard and too intimate. And I get that. Like I said, since I do have, you know, internal issues, I'm afraid of, you know, I'm afraid of, you know, letting it out, letting out that emotion. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Right. I thought I turned it on. <laughs> uh, no, I, I get that, dude. Like, and I wish I wasn't like that either. Like, I, I, I have to be comfortable. It takes me a long time to get comfortable. And so even with family, even with family that I've, that have been my family my whole life, mm-hmm. like for Thanksgiving or something like that, I won't start talking to them until like half an hour, an hour, and then I'll start getting comfortable. Right, it's gotta, a it's a comfortable comfort. Gotta get thing. warned up to them. And... <laughs> it's so, and they're my family, <laughs> man. So imagine like me, like with strangers and stuff. Oh, uh, it's even worse. <laughs> it's so bad. You know, it was weird with me, like at work, like even though I'm like that, 
in training classes, I'm a star for some reason. Yeah. Like I'm, I think I only do that in training classes because, uh, you know, how they always start off like so awkward and nobody knows each other and mm-hmm. nobody wants to talk to each other. So I'm the guy that breaks the ice and somehow it just like starts joking or whatever. Yeah. But then when everybody gets all loose and warm, then everybody's all like cool with each other. And I'm back to being quiet again. That's crazy. That's crazy yeah. that, that you do that, though. Like, you know, okay, I need to turn it on. I need to be the guy to break the ice. And then once it, you're like, all right, everybody's a comedian now. <laughs> you're on your own now. I'm going to go back into my my little cage. I did my job. <laughs> uh, that's cool, man. Uh, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Uh, best of luck on everything, like all the stuff that you talked about. It's, it's good that you know about it. And like a lot of people just don't know. Don't give it. me no compliment, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's your problem? We just talk about this. I don't take compliments. <laughs> tell me you're going to be crap, man. Uh, no, nah, but, but good luck with everything, man. Uh, thank you for doing the podcast. Uh, replug, shout outs, anything you want to mention, uh, go ahead and do it again right now before we uh, wrap it up. I appreciate it. Uh, just go to upstagecomedy.com. Uh, dates will be out. Uh, uh, you know, the comedians that we're going to book, um, you know, join our email, our newsletter, and uh, just keep supporting all comedy in San Antonio is like a reemergence of comedy in the city. There's all kinds of comedy clubs. I can shout out uh, Artesian Craft Bar, um, Blind Tigers, uh, book, starting to book more. Uh, what else is happening? Uh, Jokesters is back strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, LOL, of course. So yeah, just support comedy in San Antonio all together. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks again, dude. All right. Appreciate you for having me. Ooh, laters. Adios.